Welcome everyone to the Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that he took up smoking just so he could go up to the roof for peace and quiet to grab a puff or two. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, what's all that damn noise? It's it's like you kids again. I'm calling the cops. The Daredevil Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 203, New York's Finest, is brought to you by Facial Tattoo Prison Meatloaf. Hey, it's better than the hospitals. Pete, just want to mention before we dive on in how fun it is to be with you all, especially this time of year. We had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple days ago. We're doing Daredevil now. We're going to talk Batman v. Superman on the Pop Culture Podcast feed in a couple days. Back to Daredevil, back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We got, uh, what do we, Pete, about six weeks away, eight weeks away. Math is tough. From uh, from, uh, Captain America. No, less than that. Yeah, about five weeks. Well, you are. Oh, that's true. That's true, Pete. But uh, just wanted to thank everybody for being along for the ride, Uh, whether you're uh, listening on that pop culture podcast feed, the individual show feeds, uh, maybe you're helping us out on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. However, you're along for the ride. Just want to take a moment and say thanks. Absolutely. We have the best listeners and fans with the PH. We say it all the time and we really mean it. Thanks again. One more outburst and I'll hold you in contempt. Let's enter the evidence into the record and give the devil his due. Pete, episode 203 opens. Hey, is there something wrong with my TV? Are we out of focus? We are out of focus. It's a nun. It's a Murdoch. It's a Matt Murdoch flashback. There's wonderful, wonderful camera work here. We see the Virgin Mary and Christ on the cross intercut with the nun wringing out the washcloth and uh, her rosary hanging into focus, which is uh, quite the artful little moment there. And then, Pete, uh, things start to turn a bit surreal. Yeah. Is, is that blood? Is she turning water into wine? What's going on here? It seems to be endless blood now being wrung out into the uh, into the, the pan there. And the camera pans down and takes us to the present day. We have a battered daredevil chained on a rooftop. There's yellow and red and purple in the New York skyline in the background. And the camera just keeps moving as as the Punisher, uh, almost workmanlike, undoes his thermos of uh, coffee, presumably, and we see the Punisher thoroughly in control of the situation. Morning, sunshine. Pete, we get the title card, and then uh, back to the scene of last week's crime, last episode's crime, with the heels of D.A. Reyes kicking away the gas canister. Hey, that's evidence. Doesn't she know? You gotta, gotta bag and tag the evidence. Yeah, slightly flippant to the seriousness of the situation, but we know how District Attorney Reyes gets down, and uh, she's with uh, her assistant there, Towers, and uh, she wants to know that somebody better be getting her car. Pete, I'm going to put forth a little theory here that would explain the authorial flourish in a real-world way, or at least real to, to, to their to their world with the influence of Kingpin having been taken out of the power centers of the city. 
who's left? It's probably some of the crappier workers. Some good ones, too, I'm sure. But maybe D.A. Reyes was never that great a D.A., um, but now she's left, whereas the ones connected to, to Kingpin are not. So thus, perhaps, we can explain why she's kicking around evidence. Well, she's kicking the press around, too, because she wants them kept out. There'll be no statements or photos until the scene here is spotless, sanitized. They control the narrative, Matt. Sounds like a a certain trial of the century being replayed right now. Uh, But Mr. Nelson and Miss Page, they want a word. Uh, Just one. Can I get that in writing? What? What? Um, yeah, she's she's ready to brush them away as small time, also ready to pin uh, the colossal mess up of all of this onto that very same small time law firm. And it's an interesting moment, Pete, where Karen does all the talking while mm-hmm. Foggy is watching. And, um, you know, F- Foggy is just kind of prepared to to uh, cut bait here um, and no- mentions uh, the, that uh, that uh, Matt is elsewhere once again. Yeah, uh, Karen points out that this operation was an S show, 23rd of our third season so far, that their client could have been killed. Uh, And Reyes, she's just going to be honest here, Matt. No BS, 24. Their firm is small time, man. Your 15 minutes were up after Union Allied. You're out of your league. And it won't take much to sell that you guys compromised this operation, that your incompetence endangered your client, neighbors, civilians, and the fine, brave people of the NYPD. Pete, in the retelling, it sounds a little... I, I won't say cheesy. I won't even go that far. But in the retelling, you can see the writerly br- blueprint where they want to kind of remind you of some things from the last episode and set up the current tension and all that. None of that, however, is in the presentation in terms Absolutely of not. It, it just comes across as in line with the Reyes we know and the Foggy we know and the Karen we know who already were there. So uh, a credit to the production. Yes, and and by the time uh, Karen is admonishing Foggy for not jumping in and typical Foggy pointing out that all the legal kung fu in the world wouldn't have won that fight, that their office could bury them, they got to play it their way. The key words, Matt, for now. Indeed. The story then moves elsewhere uh, to the Punisher bleeding over his jeans as he stitches himself up. Pete, the sign of a true manly man is one who can stitch himself after, I don't know, wounding himself after manly activities. (laughs) Um, Matt struggles against the chains, not answering the question by the Punisher as to whether he heard the bullet sent his way. You know, the old, you never hear the bullet that gets you. Right. uh, Adage. Always thought that was bull S. 25. Wow. We're stacking the S up, aren't we, Pete? They stack it high, man. I didn't think they stacked it that high. Uh, the the chains holding Matt, they won't break. Uh, the Punisher is going to let him leave when he, the Punisher, is ready. And why did he keep the mask on, Pete? Because he doesn't care who Daredevil is. How about you, Red? I cracked off your forehead the other night. Did you hear that? He 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 didn't, Pete. Oh, I guess he did. Then well, he, he did. Out. You know, yeah. and, and 
I love the story flourish that it it's never direct, but it's implied that it was a warning shot that he could have put it where he wanted as per the, uh, the armorer, if I'm saying that <laughs> correctly, the armorer, uh, Melvin Potter, but he didn't. And here we get the fruit of that earlier conflict that the daredevil can be bashing against these chains all night, but he's only going to walk free if the Punisher wants him to. Indeed, the Punisher is there to do what's required with all his military hardware. Pete, just like all responsible gun owners, we know the Punisher never makes a mistake with his hardware. The story moves to Metro General. I feel like we've heard of that place before. The ER is wild and crazy. There's knife wounds, gang issues, wounded arrestees and the like. And Pete, foggy, wandering around. Yeah, calling Claire, leaving a message. He's heading into the ER. He needs to talk. Great reintroduction of the character who I have to genuinely say, it feels like she never left given yeah. her her larger than cameo presence in, uh, in Jessica Jones. Um, it's like, I, I, it truly was like seeing an old friend return. Whereas with these other characters, it's like, Hey, it's the daredevil from last year ago. The, the, the daredevil guy for her. It's just like, there she is. Um, I'm going to say it now. And it's not too early to say it given that we're in the second season of daredevil and the third season of Marvel on Netflix. Rosario Dawson is um netflix marvels clark greg deservedly so a compliment a compliment both ways uh for them and in her reintroduction here great simple line just to make it clear to new and old viewers alike of her of her uh medical acumen explaining to the man that he had five fingers <laughs> now he has two great way to reintroduce her strength and Foggy reintroduces himself. They have a mutual friend. Pete, I think that's a reference to the novel that Foggy was going to read uh, in The Hatch. Or maybe I'm crossing shows here. <laughs> but just this long shot down the hall and all the all the stuff that's – all the tension that's brewing, you know uh, – Snippets of conversation about crews being blown away and uh, Foggy's looking for Claire and asks a, a surly nurse there, are you injured? Do you want to be? It's uh, in New York. You know, we got we got gangbangers. We've got gurneys. We've got cops. The door opens and Foggy heads through and there's more tension. I have uh, mentioned before I watch with subtitles just because I like to read and watch at the same time. And, you know, the number of uh, characters referred to as man, we were up to like man seven. Hey, you, you're a bad person. <laughs> just uh, As this shot continually down the hall and then Claire is uh, with the guy being wheeled out explaining, you know, math in the hospital to a guy whose meds are about to kick in the story moves then to karen learning more about da ellis uh grotto calls and he's angry and he's not saying where he is but he also wants help 
Pete, I think that he could have used a visit with the, the good Dr. Fraser Crane to help understand what his feelings really are. But <laughs> Grotto is angry that promises were, were broken. And uh, he says that he has his own plan that doesn't involve her. So, yeah. With that, um, we go back to the rooftop. You know, the, the real subtext of the scene is the headline she's looking at online. D.A. Elliot James resigns in scandal. So we know that smoking uh, you know, legal gun will uh, will be turned back around. But Grotto is clearly upset here. Um, you know, he says the S word three times, 28, 29, 30, okay, <laughs> including two back-to-back, all right? This is never going to stop. He's done making deals, okay? He's got his own plan. Sorry, okay? And, uh, you know, he's... He's out of there. It's almost shades of, uh, oh, blast. What was the Ken Marino character on Agent Carter? Pete, that would be Joe Manfredi. So here, it's, maybe it's his grandson, Grotto, SSU. His his best line here to uh, tell that donut of a lawyer and the blind man they can kiss his ass and go to hell. <laughs> donut and the blind man. <laughs> Uh, Abogados at law. <laughs> Back on the rooftop, Punisher is surveying the lights. Uh, a good bit of, uh, of foreshadowing there that uh, I only kind of realized in retrospect. Um, and while he's doing this, Matt asks how many missions he's done like this. Daredevil is zeroing in on the broken nature of how Punisher does all of this, how he doesn't stop uh, despite the fact that he can walk away. And Punisher turns it around and says Daredevil could walk away too. The point is clear that they are the same. And in the background, the bells of St. Matthew's, because there aren't enough on this podcast, <laughs> um, th those bells are recognized by both of these two Catholics from New York. Yeah, once a Catholic, uh, the Punisher, once from New York, uh, still go to mass. Stop, Red. Just stop right there. Um, and how fitting that in a in a week on a day when uh, another comic uh, company puts out a film where the ethics of killing your enemies are so hotly debated that. We do this one tonight. And okay, it's a comic trope. You're a, you're a killer or you're not a killer. The Punisher is a killer. The Daredevil, he puts them down. They get back up. He believes strongly in redemption. That's the, uh, the Catholic, uh, you know, catechism pretty much at work through him. But, um, you know, if you believe that there's a rhythm to the universe – pretty interesting that this whole debate is happening when it is i also like the new yorkness of the mm -hmm. conversation and you know we live not far from from new york city but far enough that we are not new yorkers and i don't know if the things matt says are actually true but uh, but they certainly sound so authentic that yes. so few are from new york and those that are cannot leave maybe they enlist their way out um, obviously, obviously fishing there uh, right. for info on the Punisher and Punisher offers up that he's been to war and those who haven't should not talk about it. 
uh, certainly true with our with our our large and and storied and uh, and in some cases beleaguered bunch of veterans out there. Uh, it, you know, we all know that that this is true. That there's a difference between the war that you see and the war that some people fight, and uh, and there's a line there that we don't we civilians don't always respect. Their situation is rife with dramatic irony at this point, as it should be, in the same way that um, Daredevil is uh, sniffing out, if you will, what the Punisher is as a soldier gone rogue. Uh, Punisher is getting a whiff of what Daredevil is. Are you a shrink, Red? He knows he's obviously something when he's not in the Long Johns, that he's some kind of professional. It's just the way that he carries himself. And that's what makes uh, this dichotomy and this series of scenes between the two of them on the rooftop so compelling. Pete, you make mention of kind of the armchair psychiatry there, and and that's indeed what Matt is trying to do to get close to this Punisher uh, background. But this portion of the scene is all about John Berthold's wall staying up, regardless of how close Daredevil gets. Uh, it's noted that Daredevil isn't making an impact where Punisher is, and <laughs> Matt coming back with with what is oftentimes the worst comeback you can you can use. You've lost someone everyone has. Let's invalidate your pain, of which I don't actually know the magnitude, because we all have difficulties sometimes, not wife and child, you know, blown to pieces, Punisher, I don't know. Then, the, Pete, they move on to a discussion of morality. But the belittling of each other on each side, you know, uh... Punisher refers to his outfit a second time as PJs, little boys PJs and a mask, whereas Matt says boo-hoo to the loss that um, we obviously feel uh, the Punisher has suffered. We just don't know the specifics of it yet. Um, but there's the interesting aspect where uh, Punisher mentions about his his moment of clarity came from the strangest of places. But back to the the thesis of these two characters, people don't have to die. And to that, uh, the Daredevil is told he is a half measure, that he can't finish the job, that he's a coward. And hey, by the way, it's a slippery slope because you are just one bad day away from being me. You mean like the bad day that he's already had? <laughs> it, I mean, I laugh, but it's it's a good reminder that, I mean, look, we can anticipate where the Punisher storyline will end up, where he's a tacit good guy as opposed to a, a clear bad guy. But it's also a reminder that we are more similar to the Punisher than we are Daredevil. Um, we are that bad day or that series of bad days away, plus some training. And I'm not, I don't mean to belittle the, the, the training that he has, but we could all be the Punisher with, with the proper background. But we all aren't going to get superpowers uh, the way Daredevil does. So it's this weird flip where... where, where the story is calling for us to be more sympathetic with Punisher than Daredevil on the show called Daredevil. Uh, 
Speaking of sympathy, Pete, is that the building super coming up? Daredevil's told to stay quiet while Punisher goes to confront him head on. Yes, and from there, we're back with uh, Foggy and Claire. um, And uh, patients remain on edge here. Some background that she's uh, not seen Matt in some time. She's been on ER duty all month. Uh, that she must have ticked somebody off, Matt. We'll come back to that one. But their mutual friend, fond of extreme sports, though he is, hey, cut the S, 33. I know who you're talking about. She confirms that Daredevil hasn't been in, but she still does care for him and believes the city needs him. She just can't help anymore. Uh, She mentions having a a run-in with a big guy, Mm-hmm. And it, it's this neat moment where not it's not just, you know, oh, Jessica Jones call out Luke Cage is coming. <laughs> but it's also like she know she Claire knows that she and Foggy are part of this 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 shadowy fraternity of people who know powered people. And it's like, does Foggy know the big guy? No, no, you're not. That doesn't ring any. OK, just you know moving on. And it's this kind of. It's this world that they live in where these people with powers and some people know them. And it's this kind of, you know, it's it's a smaller world than they think. And it, it's just this wonderfully authentic moment. Um, there's then also dialogue about how the gangs are on edge. And with that, a gang fight erupts in the ER. Yeah, just back to the, you know, illusion to Luke Cage, this big guy stronger than our friend. We've seen the three actors together on stage at New York Comic Con, their only public appearance, the three of them together at one time. We've since had the casting of um, Iron Fist. So surely that will be a thing come uh, this year's New York Comic Con, really the official stop of Marvel Netflix TV. But that Foggy's aware now of this other future defender. And maybe that's how Matt comes to, to know him. I mean, the, the possibilities at this point just swirl. You, you, you take yourself out of the one show for a minute. Okay. That, yeah, that was Luke Cage, but they don't need to mention him as you said, by name. And that's the, the great take it or leave it, throw it on my plate, please. Uh, aspect of these four shows that will unite in that miniseries. And it's kind of the the converse of the the way the movies are interconnected, where you sit and go, oh, oh, Clark Gregg has to leave Iron Man 2 because he's, he, where's he, go? he's going to Thor. He's going to go to Thor. Did, did you get that? Did you get, with this, you could plop somebody down who hasn't even seen the first season of Daredevil um, because I think masterfully this season does not rely on, on needing to have seen the first season. Uh, furthermore, you don't need to get that reference. It could just be, hey, other powered people. No, you don't know who I'm talking about. Okay, moving on. Um, it's, it's really kind of well-constructed there. Pete, we return to the rooftop where the Super and Frank, thank you very much, are having a conversation about smoking on quiet rooftops and mutual service in the armed forces. 
all while Frank has a gun behind the door ready to blow the old man's head off. It is a wonderful bit of of camera staging, of of angles. Um, you see John Berthal acting as the Punisher, acting as Frank up here for a smoke. You know, I realize, of course, it's Frank is his true name, but here we, my point is, here we have the Punisher acting like the congenial guy. And, and it's I, just, it's, it's layers and layers. And it's wonderful. I think it's important at this point to be able to see that at the same time when the gun is finally visible, when, um, the super hears something, you know, Oh, what's, what's going on there? Oh, nothing, nothing rats. Um, but, uh, Frank convinces him here. He's, he's with, uh, his crazy sister, Betty in 2B. I thought we might get like a, oh, Betty in 2B died a year ago. You're a liar. Bang, bang. Uh, I'm glad they didn't go there because the way that it plays out is far more interesting for the character. And we see the uh, convivial military respect for this um, third Marine division Fighting third Marine, some background on uh, Frank served in Iraq and Afghanistan as we expected he would. Uh, but you you stay up there and you smoke as long as you like, son. Hey, Marine, Semper Fi. It's it's a hypnotizing scene about about service and the effects of war, and and I certainly wouldn't presume to say that that all who have served on the battlefield uh, have have a have an effect left on them but we know unfortunately all too well that that there is an effect on on many of those who have served and i just like that there is this fraternity between the two of them and there is this acknowledgement that they know a truth that the rest of us do not and i don't know if that saves the super uh, i like that they go for the talkiness of this and the the commentary of it and not for the oh he's a bad guy because we had to default to action it's just an acting lesson from john berthal who as i said before is playing the punisher playing congenial happy frank the abilities of our protagonist allow him to of course hear all of this and to be able to build off of that conversation uh, so is that your real name, Frank? Do you get off on threatening people? You pull the uh, trigger back on the gun there, um, to which Frank explains he's not a bad guy. Well, what about the widows and the orphans left in his wake? Well, the people I kill, they need to go. Frank additionally tells him that he treats the city like it's a playground and eventually that these people that he captures get out again and they do it. Um, but uh, asked if he ever doubts what he's doing, Frank says no, um, not even that uh, Daredevil prompting him you think s 34 i just killed a human being somebody who did a lot of stupid s 35 maybe even evil but perhaps with one scrap of goodness in them and here's where the conversation has now turned 
but Frank's not hearing any of it. He says that uh, the city is a sewer. Uh, it smells of S36, and he can't get it out of his nostrils. He's got to do something. You hit them, they get up. I hit them, they stay down. The portion of the scene here where Bernthal is on the billboard platform, he's bobbing and waving in a way where the camera is trying to keep up with him. It suggested to me that the actor was so in the zone that he wasn't preening for the production. He wasn't concerned about hitting the marks. He wasn't even concerned about you know, working with the camera operator to capture the shot. In that moment, I think Bernthal was the punisher and the camera just simply had to keep up. Uh, and, and, I mean, it was just, it, it, it was remarkable on top of a performance that's already been fantastic. And I'm going to come in on the other side. I don't think we've seen Charlie Cox do a better job of acting, ironically here, chained to a chimney and uh, in the mask. Never felt uh, more. There was a little bit of a hoarseness to his delivery, but I can buy that in character. But here he's calling out Frank's sanity, that he's a nut job, that he's unhinged. Um, and, uh, he says, you're, you're going to have to kill me cause I'm never going to stop coming for you so that Frank's got in that conversation by knocking him out. Pete, this scene made me wonder if maybe, maybe one day with Daredevil chained to the chimney, if we will get the Daredevil Bert, the chimney sweep from Mary Poppins crossover that we've all been hoping for. It's all Disney, Pete. It might happen one day. But more immediately, we go to the DA's office where Karen is talking to Tower about the ability for people to be taken down. Karen notes that the other assistant DAs, uh, or not all of them, but there are other assistant DAs who have taken the fall. It appears that uh, Reyes is good at throwing people to the wolves. Uh, Karen is sees Tower as someone who needs to work with Nelson Murdoch before he gets caught up in the Reyes storm. Uh, she wants those Punisher files, and uh, he, in just a wonderful bit of, of writing, he's initially responding negatively. He's not going to see the DA's office pushed around like that. He's going to go get security. By the way, here are all the files. Out I go to go get security with the implicit... <laughs> Uh, notion of don't be here when I get back since you just stole wink those files right and I think that is perhaps lost on some viewers given the complexity of this scene um, the widespread misconduct that is alluded to a number of previous members of this district attorney's office and that Reyes always gets away unscathed well not this time and uh be between karen's assertion that he's going to uh you know get dragged into the s37 like the rest of them and then where do you find this s come on man 38 the internet <laughs> Good old internet. Back at the hospital, Pete, Foggy gives this wonderfully compelling speech 
trying to appeal to the better notions of these two gang members, uh, you know, to, to stop the fighting for the day. Um, and what's most important, Pete, is that they give in to that there is this note of redemption tying back to the to the Daredevil and Punisher discussion. Again, I can't say how much Eldon Henson has furthered his role as uh, Foggy in this second season. And what in a lot of other actors' hands could be a really sappy scene, you you feel it in a way that only he could deliver. And, uh, you know, the, the one guy saying, oh, that's the guy that, that they found Freddie Bones with 10 slugs in his chest. And, um, you know, the, the scalpel that the one guy grabs, the scissors that the other uh, has, the innocent people in between, and just the, the calm way and in his own way that, that Foggy tackles this situation with some humor. Hey, how many tattoos do you have on your face? Uh, how many priors you got? Um, that with all these witnesses and all these cops, it's not going to work out and you're going to wind up trying to retain me pro bono and not even my soft hearted partner, you know, the one that's strapped to a roof right now is going to take it because you're stupid, but you forgot what I do for a living. Okay. Um, we talk our way out of things and we're going to appeal to your selfish nature. Who would have thought that to find a better narrative from Nelson and Murdoch, you would need to separate Nelson and Murdoch? Um, it, they they have spent so little time together on screen to the benefit of the show because you get to see Foggy Bloom without the 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 larger uh, the larger. You know, story gobbler of Matt Murdock and Daredevil kind of kind of taking up story space. It's it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Pete, back we go to the rooftop once again. Daredevil wakes up with a gun duct taped to his hand. Three fifty seven. Some uh, things just feel right in your hands, Matt. I I knew that. Our pal Mike Sorensen, don't worry. I knew it was a a three five seven Magnum pistola. Um <laughs> Punisher produces Grotto, uh, Grotto, who is beaten while he tells a tale of working up from pouring Irish drinks to driving Irish cars to taking out a baddie who owed the Irish money. But not just the baddie, Pete. He was ordered to kill the man, but he also took out the old lady, either his wife or his mother, as well. And why? Because she, in fact, saw everything after all. Yeah, and this piece of S, Matt, 40 already <laughs> uh, through three episodes, and we're not done in this episode. He was caught trying to steal a car so he could skip town, now brought here for justice for what he did at Lafayette Street on the second floor. And for a moment, you thought maybe this was Frank's family until we get the full admission out of grotto what he was doing to try to step up to try to move up in the mob and uh daredevil is convinced by frank via grotto of his point of view 
Uh, do you still think this piece of S41 is worth saving? But Daredevil remains true to his character. I'm not going to shoot him. I'm not going to shoot you. He's straining against the chains as we go back to the hospital. Uh, in the hospital, Matt Murdock is not just not in this hospital. He's not in any of the three which comprise the hospital system. Great to see those EMRs working so well. That's medical talk. Um, Foggy likes to keep things thuggish, Pete, because he's he's a thug. I keeps it thuggish. Uh, after that, uh, Claire says the only thing she's ever seen stop a thug was a bigger thug. Pete, that's kind of like parallel to the discussion up on the rooftop of, you know, must you combat bad with even worse? Uh, anyhow, Claire wonders if the city doesn't need him, Daredevil, despite both of them not wanting Daredevil. And Foggy needs, I'm sorry, uh, Matt needs Foggy. Um, the The way that their relationship and the way that his understanding of his friend and that he's not going to stop taking care of the city. Somebody's got to be here, be there to take care of him. And he wonders to Claire if Matt made a mistake when he let her go. But what makes you think he let her go? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. On the rooftop, uh, Daredevil is being given the countdown from five. Who will get shot first? Uh, is it going to be Punisher or Grotto? Punisher says that Daredevil is a killer either way, which I, I don't exactly prescribe to that logic, but but them's the breaks, I suppose. With that, Daredevil shoots the chain off himself while Punisher shoots Grotto in the chest. And Pete, it's just mayhem up on the rooftop. Yeah, and... Between Grotto bleeding out and Daredevil ready to take him, feeling responsible for what's happened, Grotto asks him to put him down. Um, meanwhile, uh, Frank gets to his feet, launches one of those rather oversized bullets down to the uh, bikes below. Bikers are grabbing weapons and it's a it's just a perfect time there to head back to the office by the way i want to point out that it is the bikes of the dogs of hell proper ownership um there but as you say pete uh back we go to the law office karen is looking at grizzly grizzly pictures the the the, the carnage sewn by punisher is it not well we don't know that just yet um, that's not fully resonant until the end of the episode where we uh, fade to black. But uh, the the picture of Carnage with a uh, knife into a hand, into a table, certainly something bad happened to this guy and it was done by somebody. It's not quite clear yet that it's the Punisher. Back to uh, what my notes have as the bike fire. <laughs> um, the Pete, Punisher. Who, who now, let the dogs out? Who let the, the Punisher did? Ooh, um, ooh, ooh, ooh. The uh, who sings it? The Baja Men. Thank you. Very. Who good. sang at uh, game three of the two thousand uh, World the Series? Two thousand Subway Series pitting my New York Mets against somebody else's New York Yankees. But anyway, 
Um, the Punisher, through his sight here with his uh, little mantra, one batch, two batch, penny and dime, lining up uh, bikers through the crosshairs who suddenly uh, he can't shoot because there's a chain wrapped around his neck. As they fight, uh, the stairwell fills with uh, biker types. And back on the roof, Frank tells Daredevil that he's done. They're coming for you. Back at the offices of Nelson and Murdoch, Karen is looking at the increasingly grisly pictures, but she's taking notes. She's making sense of the carnage. Uh, back, though, to Daredevil and Punisher, there's a great, great shot of the gang coming up the stairwell, kind of that, you know, looking down at the, 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 the space between the stairwell. Um, and uh, we see that uh, Daredevil has knocked out the Punisher. He's taking them away from what could be their mutual deaths. Um, there, uh, he, he kind of delegates Punisher, still knocked out, into a freight elevator just in time for uh, the, the bikers to uh, to overtake the superintendent, the building super. Um, and Daredevil starts to use that chain to smash out the lights. And I suspect, Pete, that what unfolds is meant to be the cinematic sequel to last season's five-minute fight. Yeah, and you, you know it about a minute in that this is going to be an extended sequence. So between having the gun duct taped to his right hand between having the chain still in his hands, having just put the Punisher down after carrying him around in the elevator, and he's ready to go in the elevator, and as the door closes, um, the super is uh, being assaulted, so he gets out there and he helps them. Um, that he asks uh, if he's okay, get in your apartment, he tells him, and here, between shooting the light, between chaining uh, lights and uh, bikers coming out him, uh, you know, the, the use of shadow in this scene, the extended take, I noted about eight minutes left in um, the episode till about three and a half to four minutes left. This is a at least seeming like an extended take matt i'm not sure given the some of the tricks of light that there there wasn't a cut or two made in there but we head down a hall we head into the stairwell around the stairwell several times there's falling there's fighting there are uh clubs and crowbars and bats and uh you know it it is that as you said it is it is a cinematic sequel, one episode deeper into this second season to that excellent first season, second episode clash with the Russians. With this black visceral ballet, I am I am sure that there are cuts in there. They do uh, a, a Hitchcockian trick where uh, they'll move to someone's back, oftentimes Daredevil's back, that it's, it's his back at least twice where they do this, where you kind of move to his back the screen is black for a moment that yeah. hides the cut where you can continue to me that's no harm no foul Not i would rather all. them focus on a great fight scene that uses this kind of close vertical space of the the stairwell versus the horizontal space of the 
the uh, hall last season. I'd rather them focus on a, a great fight that has you know good story moments and a good good visual language to it than well last time it was five minutes. So what can we do for five and a half? What can we do for right. five and three quarter? It Just doesn't make it a to, great fight. It doesn't need to top it, but be its own thing. So by the time the the red light takes over the screen that we're at the bottom of the stairwell here, the, the lobby, the, the floor level and daredevil summoning his inner ghost writer with the chain. Um, and, and everything that goes on with this third man that enters and, and the big guy is strangling him. The freight elevator opens. The punisher is there unconscious and there's a flip and then the chain, and then another flip, and he's finished them off. And then the elevator, which opens to the outside too, is empty. Wonderful conclusion to it all. I thought that they were setting up the idea that once that elevator reached the bottom floor, Punisher would then help, and now they're friendly friends and all that. But I love that this is a fight that is concluded without any input from the Punisher. And speaking of the Punisher, Pete... Uh, back at the law office, Karen is still wading through all those files. She finds one labeled F Castle, uh, and there's an x-ray that appears to have a bullet injury in the skull of it to end the episode. All righty, Matt. Let me tell you now about NJ Toys and Collectibles, which has been family-owned and operated with a passion for toys and collectibles for over 20 years. They carry a wide variety of items from Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, as well as many other comic heroes. They proudly ship internationally, and if you buy now and use our exclusive coupon code PODCAST, that's PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you can save 10% on your first order. NJ Toys and Collectibles is your source for exceptional, vintage, and modern toys. Visit www.njtoysandcollectibles.com. That's NJ Toys and Collectibles today. Objection, Your Honor. He's badgering the witness. Well, what do you want me to give him a testimonial dinner? Who brought the heat into Hell's Kitchen in this episode? Pete, let's start with the Punisher, particularly what what appears to be his his point of most umbrage, this notion of his his mental damage, of being insane, of being a being a, a whack job. He's not. We know that he's not, but he's not exactly right either. And when Daredevil is able to dance around, not to mock him, but to bring up the the sadness that's evident in his life that is going to push a soldier to become a one-man army and to be taking the number of lives that he has. Clearly, there's something that's pushed him over the edge. It's just a matter of finding out the specifics. That's interesting. I'm, I'm inclined to disagree. Um... I mean, I kind of, I kind of see what he's doing as proof of a certain level of of dare say insanity. Uh, I guess I'm more, I'm more team Daredevil than team Punisher on on this. But uh, 
I love that it's something that the show is floating and discussing and, and kind of that the show is giving itself room to explore this side of him. Pete, next up, D.A. Reyes. Your thoughts uh, about her contributions to tonight's episode? That we just get her uh, in the beginning of the body of the episode right after the title card. And then she's this presence throughout for uh, assistant D.A. Towers and Karen. Um, That's why she's on the dossier, that she can be this heavy, the the evidence of widespread um, malpractice or, uh, you know, indecency throughout her office and the number of people who have been thrown under the bus. As Matt mentioned in the previous episode, she doesn't do anything. She wouldn't buy a stick of gum if it wouldn't advance her political career. So there's some larger machinations and as you pointed out earlier in our discussion here that uh the power vacuum and now gangs and uh you know crime families being taken out left and right well who can swoop in and take that how about a you know a pretty crafty uh politician well, Pete, you mentioned those those gangs out of control. Your thoughts on the the dogs of hell being up to no good? I guess less dogs of hell now after this uh, this scene ending uh, episode ending fight. Who would have figured that we'd get the mileage that we have out of a biker gang in Hell's Kitchen, New York? That, to my knowledge, there is no chapter of. Uh, I mean, clearly they, they are want fiction- you to believe, Pete. <laughs> Clearly, the dogs of hell are fictional, but the idea that a, a biker gang would be in, um, you know, that neighborhood in New York City is kind of a hard sell, yet we never uh, doubt it. Um, and they are here what they need to be in this scene. They are muscle. They are weapons. There are a lot of them. And between the lights getting uh, ripped out between the chains being thrown around um, and all of the, as you put it before, Matt, this, this visceral ballet, it's just a, a great use of nameless, faceless, largely uh, bad guys. Your Honor, may I approach the May I approach the bench? It's time to step aside and approach the bench to discuss some off-the-record theories. You be the judge. Matt, let's begin here with The Punisher's pain. I like that we end on this note where uh, they're at least floating the possibility of some sort of, uh, you know, traumatic brain injury, gunshot wound to the head, that that sort of thing that might serve as a, a an initial genesis for where he is at now. Uh, the show would be well served to to explore his pain, to explore his background, um, and just really make that character as full fledged as as Fisk was, as uh, the Purple Man was as our heroes are in, in these shows. So hopefully they hopefully they dig deep here, especially, you know, we're heading into the fourth episode and we've already had kind of our, 
can they be friends lengthy discussions so so hopefully they give us more of that i like the teasing of his backstory in terms of his private pain and to end the way we do with the notion of his physical pain makes him fully dynamic as a character but what do you think has happened to him at the, the the subject of conjecture at this point by daredevil boo-hoo you lost somebody everybody's lost somebody i mean all i know is the the comic backstory of him having lost multiple multiple family members um i think that if that is a perfect thread to pick up, particularly since Matt has minimized the the Punisher's pain and saying, you know, like, oh, did you have a, an elderly family member die? You know, we all go through that, get over it, as opposed to something truly horrific, uh, which he may have barely survived himself uh, physically, let alone the emotional toll. So uh, it seems to me the stars are aligning towards towards a, a similar sad story. How about the assistant district attorney's cooperation here uh, or seeming cooperation with Karen, given the uh, uh, dog eat dog really nature of uh, district attorney Reyes office? It says to me the tower is somebody who is pursuing justice. Uh, he's not pursuing politics. He's not pursuing advancement. He he wants justice, and he wants to see that served. And uh, that makes me wonder if he's on some sort of character arc of his own. You know, when we first met him, he easily could have been assistant guy, executive assistant to Reyes. But this is this is a character whose actor gets a sole credit card in the, which is to say, a card of credit, not you know a line not not a thing to swipe at the the local drugstore but he gets a sole credit uh during the title sequence of this show so i wonder using that those bits of knowledge there if he's on his own story arc where maybe at the end of the episode congratulations new you know chief district attorney for the city uh mr tower um you, you know is he headed to 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 a place that can reestablish some of the the goodwill in this uh in this post kingpin new york city the x-ray at the end of the episode matt suffered abroad in a theater of war suffered at home what do you think well i'm just going off the uh off the um the thomas jane movie here the thomas jane punisher I'm going to say I'm going to say suffered suffered here at home, uh, you know, connected to to that pain which drives him. Uh, but they could tweak that. They could go in another direction. It could be, you know, a, a veteran of a foreign war. You will have to see. Ooh. We've been using our enhanced senses to monitor the frequencies. Here's what you had to say. Matt, we will begin on iTunes, uh, on our uh, Daredevil podcast uh, feed, if you will. We have had a review left for us by Check Movie Fiend, which Twitter tells us is Mary Kirk. 
And the headline is back for season two, exclamation point, five stars. And it reads, these guys do the best fan reviews of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for those unfamiliar. And I say best because they aren't just fans. They don't sing the praises uh, they don't just sing the praises of the show. They're willing to examine the weaknesses slash flaws of the show as well. My go-to podcast for Daredevil, exclamation point. Well, exclamation point to Mary Kirk. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mary, for those kind words. Certainly putting a, putting a smile on our face. And uh, yeah, we, we, we try to play it down the middle with, with appreciation, but... Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna mislike Chloe Bennett or ask uh, for well, I'm trying to think of something that I didn't like in Daredevil or maybe spend too much time not revealing Wilson Fisk, we will we'll, we'll say as such because because we play it down the middle, Pete and Pete playing it down the middle on Twitter is you seamless transition. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E. T E R J K T L A R K E T E L A A R seven thousand three hundred thirty three. Jesus, um, fans, followers, listeners, can't be wrong. While I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can find the podcast in a whole variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the ph on the Gmail, the dot com, the Twitter the Instagram, and on Patreon. want to thank the people who are helping us with uh, the cost of creating the podcast. Hope people head over to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek to see how you too can join our, uh, our, our legions of patrons. And uh, Pete, that's not all. There's another social media platform, a nascent, a nascent social media platform where you can find uh, Fantastic Geek as well. Yes, get yourself over to facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek, all one word with the PH, and just another way to interact with us on a daily basis. Put up your theories, ask questions, whatever it is. Can't guarantee we'll always get to it. And uh, there's some regulars. We're always looking for more, but we we really do try to spread it around and and make sure that uh, everybody gets a say once in a while. And, uh, you know, we we are super thankful, though, for everybody that uh, likes us there and helping us with the Patreon. And just one quick note about the Patreon. Matt just came up with a really awesome new uh, freebie that we're going to be throwing you uh, if you donate at a certain level that we'll be telling you more about in the next couple of weeks. You're not going to want to miss it. Ooh, good tease there, Pete, for uh, for Patreon. Well, that, Pete, I will say adios until our, our next episode of the Daredevil podcast, which is never too far away, and I will give you the final word. I'll do what's required. I'm back. I'm back in New York.